Well, we live, as you know, uh, in the communication age, and communication has ex- increased exponentially in quantity, uh, uh, what with every device under the sun, and that's good, that's fine, no problem with that. But I wonder if it has kept up in quality. You see, real communication, as I'm sometimes reminded as a husband, isn't just the transfer of information. And and no, that wasn't a jab at Kathy, that was a jab at me. (laughs) I've given you all the facts, dear. (laughs) Uh, Real person-to-person communication is more than the sharing of raw data. It is, to a great degree, the sharing of lives. It's what is said, what's not said. It's body language, it's dialogue, it's discussion. Uh, It's give and take, it's questions and answers. Sometimes what's not said communicates just as much as what is said. And so when it comes to the gospel, correct communication is vital. We must testify properly, completely, accurately, passionately. It matters how we actually share the gospel. The Apostle Paul could be called the great communicator. In the text this evening in Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through 21, I want us to learn or relearn these principles and then apply them to our lives this week. Literally, uh, uh, even in the preparation and the review of this message, I have... Um, I haven't embraced it. I am embracing. I'm in the, the, the stream of embracing these in a fresh and a new way in my life. Highly practical this evening. If you want to correctly communicate Christ to your neighbor, to your coworker, to your extended family member, whoever it might be, learn from the great apostle This evening in the book of Acts, chapter 20, beginning in verse 17. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So it's a little distance, a few miles. He had ported at Miletus and sent a message to the church leaders at the church at Ephesus. What I believe was the number one most significant, most... um, um, ministry-laden and minister-laden church in the first century. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, you know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. He was there three years. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and trials which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you but have shown you and have taught you publicly from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're taking notes, two primary points this evening that I see in our text about correctly communicating Christ. The first being, there must be a personal preparation, a personal preparation for communicating Christ. Guys, I'm not, uh, I'm not advancing. Help me there. I'm, I'm uh, doing all I know to do. Maybe, maybe I don't even have this on. 
if there's ever a question about who has made a mistake, you, I'm giving you total freedom. You can immediately default to it being me. As it was in the church conference, as it was on this doodad, um, you can, really, I do not trust myself one bit for me not being the one in error, okay? Can we talk? <laughs> Thanks, y'all, for helping me out there <clears throat> with my problem. <laughs> the personal preparation for sharing Christ. It's not an issue only of the data. Information is more than data um, dumping. You're not just dumping information on someone. Not if you're truly communicating. And so it's an issue of personal character. And our text finds Paul on a merchant ship which stopped at various ports as he's concluding the third missionary journey. He was in a hurry to get back to Israel to take a love offering from the Gentile churches to deliver it to the hurting, the very hurting saints at the mother church in Jerusalem as they were in bad straits. He wanted to get back for Pentecost to be able to also uh, evangelize while he was there. And so Paul, the great communicator of the gospel, wanted that opportunity, one last opportunity, to share with the leaders who were probably dearest to him because he'd been with them for three years. And he says, I'm blowing into town in Miletus. You're just a couple of stones throws away. Quick, send an errand boy. Tell him, get down here. And they dropped everything. Paul's in town, just down the road, let's go. And they just went in mass, and they had a wonderful meeting. The way Paul instructed these elders, these pastors, was how he wanted them to minister and how we should be focused on ministering in the ministry God has given to us. And so, if saved, and I have to imagine all or nearly all of us here this evening are, I need to be personally prepared to share Christ, the gospel, with the lost as well as disciple believers. Now, what are some points here um, about this personal preparation? First of all, Paul shared consistently. He shared consistently. Notice in verse 18, and when they were uh, coming to him, he said, you know, from the first day that I came here, from the very beginning, his service to the Lord was evident to all. No one had to be convinced. Now, think about the character that that reveals. Could it be said of you uh, that if, if something was suspicious, uh, if something went missing, uh, if someone gave a bad report, if, uh, if something was gossiped, and you could be a suspect, would most people uh, who know you and know the situation say, oh no, she absolutely is not known for that. She would never, he, he, he has faced temptation after temptation, and that is not who he is. Oh, to have that kind of a testimony. Paul, all Paul had to say was, you've known from the very beginning, 
that I've been serving the Lord. No one had any problem believing that. It's an issue of character because he shared consistently all the time. And folks, it takes a lifetime to build a reputation, but it can be gone in a moment. Uh, And that thought startles me to even contemplate it. Um, And so we're to live out the ministry in your neighborhood, uh, among lost people. Uh, we, we've hosted uh, recently a, a house full of, of folks that in the neighborhood uh, that we, we don't have a particular sense that um, maybe one, one other one, truly is born again, knows the Lord and knows the word of God. And yet you get the sense that they all, I'm going to say this without sounding self-righteous, adjusted uh, their, uh, their actions and attitudes when in Kathy's presence. Now that is a huge statement. Can you, can you appreciate that? In other words, lost people can have behavior modification. And it's wonderful that it is shown, expressed, when around someone who walks in the heavenlies. That's a wonderful testimony. We all want that testimony. Paul had that, uh, and he had it under uh, the most unfavorable of conditions. Now, when he shared consistently, specifically, preacher, specifically, what does that look like? Well, the text tells us in verse 19. First of all, He was broken about self. Notice at the beginning of verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. That that was not bragging. Paul knew God, therefore he knew himself. And he knew that without the grace of God, without the power of God, without the convicting presence of the Spirit, he would be up and down um, all over the place just like anyone else would but he was completely dependent on the Lord, moment by moment, day in, day out. So therefore, he walked in brokenness. Uh, His accomplishments were unparalleled, yet he did not take himself too seriously. In fact, he said, if I live and serve, that's great. If I don't and I die, that's great. That's even better. He didn't take himself overly seriously. And it showed in humility of mind. It wasn't a put on. It wasn't an act. It was actually who he was. To the degree that Philippians 4.13 says, proclaims, I can do all things. Wow, that's kind of braggadocious. No, it's humble because it's through Christ who strengthens me. Apart from him, I can't do anything. And so there must be an understanding that the, uh, uh, the, my life is all about him. It's to be about his glory, uh, his worth, uh, communicating the Lord to a lost and dying world. Paul said to this very same group in the letter to the Ephesians in chapter 4 and verse 2 that we're to serve with all lowliness, not just with some, but with all lowliness, and meekness, long-suffering, forbearing, being patient 
with others uh, and doing so in love. And so I have to ask myself, am I broken? Are you broken? And that begs the question, how do I know? How do I know if I am walking in a character, a character trait of brokenness before the Lord, knowing whose I am? Well, let me offer this. How do you act or react? How do you respond when you are slighted, when you are defrauded, when you are, uh, someone misspeaks about you, slanders you? Well, Jesus is our example of knowing what to do. When he was reviled, he reviled not back, 1 Peter 2, but committed himself unto him alone who judges righteously. In other words, he, uh, he did not, it didn't rattle his cage, it didn't ruin his day. If you are going to live righteously, you're going to suffer from this world. And so, those who walk with a broken heart about self, but by the grace of God, I would be in the gutter, I would be in hell. If you truly believe that, anyone truly believe that, about by the grace of God, you would be under God's condemnation, right? Well, if, if you truly do, and if I truly do believe that, then salvation now in heaven to come, anything else good in my life is just, it's just gravy, right? It's just a cherry on top. He didn't take himself too seriously. He took the ministry infinitely seriously, but not about his own well-being. So he was broken and walked in humility. Secondly, about this consistency in sharing, he had a burdened heart for others. Look at verse 19. I serve the Lord with all humility of mine and with many tears. With many tears. Paul's ministry wasn't perfunctory. It wasn't out of an obligation. He had a heavy heart for the lost. He truly did. Uh, He said, uh, if it could even be possible, and of course it's not, my heart for my own people is that I'd be accursed and they'd be saved. I mean, either he was lying or that truly was the, the level of burden that his heart had, he had on his heart for others to come to the Lord. He didn't rest, wouldn't rest a minute. Um, he was redeeming the time for the days are evil, Ephesians 5, 16. And so correctly communicating Christ means that I'm going to be consistent in my burden for others. Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 4 that out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you should know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. Wow. That, and these, this is a church filled with rascals, believers who had all kinds of issues going on. And yet, he said, my heart was heavy for you. So, for the lost with the gospel, for believers to be victorious in their lives. That burdened heart. That was his testimony. And thirdly, he was bold. He was bold as he shared consistently. Look at the the end of verse 19. Not only in humility of mind and tears of, of soul, 
but through trials which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. A bold heart for God. He knew that correctly communicating Christ was going to cost him. It always had. Uh, In fact, he was on the front end of persecution before he got saved. He understood from both sides of the track what it meant to be a believer uh, and to be hunted and haunted by unbelievers because he was one of those hunters at one time, right? So he knew, he knew what, uh, what he was uh, talking about there. And yet he told the Romans in 1 and 16, 16 um, let me go to that next. Romans 1, 16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. In fact, beginning in chapter 9 of the book of Acts, nearly every time we see Paul, he is in trouble. <laughs> trouble followed him. But it's because he was always correctly communicating Christ to a pagan world, to a legalistic world. And they weren't going to, many of them were not. Oh, to be sure, scores and scores and hundreds, if not thousands, came to the Lord under his ministry. But the world system wasn't going to hear of it. MacArthur commented on this particular verse. I needed to go the other way, didn't I? I put that in the wrong order. Again, there you go. I did it again to that's a hat trick. Three errors by the same person in the same message, in the same service. That's a hat trick. I don't know where that term in, go- in hockey ever came from, hat trick. Don't Google it. Doesn't matter. MacArthur wrote, some judge the success of a servant of God by how large or widespread his ministry is, how many degrees he has, how much publicity he receives. But the true measure of a servant of God is whether he focuses solely on pleasing God, which gives him the willingness to serve with humility and suffer opposition from those hostile to the truth. Now, that is a truism. Because if you're not taking yourself seriously, but you are taking the gospel very seriously, and you do care about the condition of the souls of those around you, and we must care... uh, Don't be the reason why someone like the psalmist says, no one cared for my soul. Don't let that be said of your family and friends because you be the one who in fact does care. So if all of that is the case, all of that is is in place in my life, uh, um, then my true success is will I be faithful to that? Just will I be faithful to that. You know, uh, it's going to be the Fanny Crosbys of the world. It's going to be the uh, Johnny Erickson Tadas of the world uh, and the like, it seems to me, who are going to be um, very near the throne. Uh, uh, the um, um, William Booth, uh, the, uh, who's the, uh, the great... Uh, um, founder of the, uh, of the great orphanage in, in the Northeast, I think it was. Who is it? George M- Mueller. George Mueller. Uh, it's going to be th- those folk because they simply said, 
in so many words and in so many ways, I am nothing, he is everything. Oh, to him I'm everything because he died for me. But I view myself as a servant to him so that I can get out of the way and he can. As Brother Mark said, John the Baptist said, hey, John the Baptist had center stage in his day. And he said, I am going to decrease so that he can increase. I'm getting out of the way so that he can be on display. And uh, what a great heart that is. So share consistently. Secondly, in verse 20, the first part, share completely. Share completely. Notice in verse 20, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. I've kept back nothing We must confront the lost and share with them the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth in communicating the gospel message. Now, if you'll notice in verse 21a, testifying, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Not sure, uh, Pastor Scribine, if I share that that word with you uh, or ask you about that. It's an intense word. and I looked it up. I did a word uh, study on that uh, from uh, Help's Word Studies of Strong's Concordance. It's always in the Greek middle voice, meaning I'm doing it. I'm the one who's testifying. I'm not hearing a testimony. A testimony isn't coming at me. I'm giving a testimony. And it emphasizes witnessing done with a high level of self-involvement. I'm throwing myself into it and with strong personal interest motivating it. Now, the person who wrote that definition of that Greek term did not know I was going to be bringing this tonight. Uh, I just came across that definition. I thought, that's it? That Paul threw himself into correctly communicating Christ. And he was, if no one else was going to do that, he was going to do that. That's why I say, folks, this is very practical this evening. I want you to leave here, and I want, I want to leave here this evening, that if no one else signs on, Brother Hudson, if no one else is involved in Oktoberfest, Friday and Saturday, upcoming, you will be. Now, I can say that uh, with confidence that he will be, and also with a disclaimer that I won't be because of providential scheduling. And that's not an excuse, that's a keeping you from judging me, by the way. I'm helping you out. Kathy and I are out of state. It's been planned for a long time. But I've been there, and my heart is there. And when you're there, involved in street evangelism, and your heart is burdened for them, and you know that you might get ridiculed, probably not it's probably not going to be too dangerous uh, on, the, uh, on the city square in Lee Summit uh, with lots and lots and lots of children and grandmas and grandpas and balloons. And probably you won't be martyred for doing that. But I tell you, even availing yourself of that, the glory of the Lord will fill your heart as you're able to share the gospel. It's happened uh, uh, in my life time and time again. And for many of us. So bring a complete gospel message to.
to the degree that you have an open door. You can't make it happen. <clears throat> Kathy and I had a, um, a worker, uh, uh, a contractor, come by our house for a needed repair uh, of late. And she and I were talking about a mission trip with one of her family members. And this man said, uh, I'm curious, you were talking about going to this country. Why are you going there? Well, <laughs> he opened the door, so here we go. So started sharing uh, about um, apologetics and life in Christ and giving a defense of the faith. And by the way, do you have a personal commitment to the Lord in your own life? And I mean, it, the door didn't just close. The door went whack, metaphorically. It was not going there, back to why I came. And Kathy and I were there, and I said to her later, I said, just to see if she and I were on the same page, so why didn't I present the gospel? Because he did not want to hear it. He made that abundantly apparent. Exactly. I would have been kicking a door open that was not open. Well, that's, that's an operation. Of, uh, that's self-effort. Y'all with me on this? So you communicate, you testify because you're burdened, but you can't make it happen. And I can't, and nor should I try. So let me give you some thoughts on this text of what to share. First, a lost person must, uh, I don't know if I gave you this second point, a uh, proper presentation, and you must share the content, obviously. Uh, uh, it has to do with the character of your heart as a soul winner, but it also has to do with the content of what you're going to communicate. Uh, it matters what a person believes, in other words. A lost person must first recognize his or her condition before God and the consequences. That is, that he's lost. That she is lost, hell-bound, dead in trespasses and sins. They're alienated from God. They stand condemned. And only the mercy of the Lord gives that person the next breath. Or else he or she would plunge into an eternal hell and be lost forever. Now, the best way to help someone recognize that is to present the law. Present the Ten Commandments. And the law will then shut up a person to his or her own guilt and cause the one to see, I am guilty. I stand condemned. Secondly, there's the need for repentance. Notice uh, in our text, testifying both to the uh, Jews, to the Greeks, repentance toward God. That is, you call a person to turn from his own way, to turn from her good works or her religion, or from his wretchedness. See, you can be religious and lost or wretched and lost, but either way, you're lost, and you call that person to repent. In fact, it's just what happened with the Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians 1.9, Paul said, I witness to you, and you turn to God from idols to serve the Lord. So you're calling a person to repent. 
I'm basically giving you all a, 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 a witnessing tool here. You help the person see that he's lost by sharing the law. You, that person confesses and admits, yes, I have sinned. I am not holy. I am not good and okay with God. Call you to repent, to turn from your sin while turning to the grace of God in Christ. So it's not enough just to say, I understand that you're, you need to understand that you're lost. You need to understand what the cure is. There's actually the step of faith. Faith is an active concept. It's not, okay, faith hit me. No, it's I'm acting on it. I am uh, I'm engaging. And Scripture talks about that, that kind of a verb, received, as many as received him, John 1, 12. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call. You see the verb there. It's, there's an action. There's an activity. Of course, it's with the heart that you're believing and you are receiving him. And so we are called to correctly communicate Christ to our lost and dying world. Folks, we have the gospel message of light, of love, of life. And I mean the gospel message is efficacious. Therefore, what I mean by that is it works. It actually will save people who truly do call upon him. Whosoever shall call. That person shall be saved if you truly do. That's how you got saved. That's how I got saved. And that's how those to whom we witness can be saved. Help them get lost without saying get lost. (laughs) Through the law, call them to turn from own way to God's way, calling upon Christ to save and to forgive. It's all about testifying of the glorious grace of God in Christ. May we give ourselves to that. Take some of these points. Take all of these points. Walk with a clear view of of self. You need him. No matter how much information you have. He has to anoint your witness. He has to accompany your witness. Share with a burdened heart with those around you and be bold for God. Paul was that way his whole life. Now, it ended up costing him, <laughs> okay? Uh, I want to I give a fair treatment to the, to the text. It cost him. It may cost you. You may, you may be talked about in the workplace. You may have family members not invite you to everything that's going on because after all, you're going to spoil the party. But think about the testimony that you are leaving with those folks. I, want, I tell you, when folks gather for my funeral, I want it to be said, he made a difference in my life. He represented Christ consistently. Without fear or favor, 
and with a genuine loving burden for other people. Don't you want that of you? you? Paul had that. I want to communicate Christ in that way in my day. I want that for you as well. Lord, I'm so thankful for your word. The truth of it, uh, just a, a simple narrative. Something was going on uh, uh, at that time, 1950 or so years ago. And yet, it can still make a difference in training us this evening. So, Lord, would you give us a clear understanding of who we are? It's by the grace of God we are who we are in Christ. And burden, deepen the burden in our hearts for the lost, those around us. Lord, I have a neighborhood full of lost people, the best I, it seems to me. And may we speak boldly when given the opportunity, when the door opens, testifying of repentance toward God in faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, that was so important to you that you used the Apostle Paul in his last time seeing his beloved Ephesian leaders to instruct them to lead your people to do just that. How important is that for us in our day? And so move in our midst. Use us. Use us in Oktoberfest, this upcoming weekend. Use us on the mission field through our mission giving and our intercessory prayer for those who serve. Use us in the marketplace, in our community. Use us over the internet. Lord, would you allow a message of the gospel to break through in Turkey, in North Korea? Lord, can we believe you for that? I, I don't have a clue. And I'm so glad I don't even have to worry about that because you do. You can make that happen. You can let our broadcast show up on a computer in communist China. You can do that. You can do that in Siberia. Lord, you could do that in Antarctica. Use us in your service. Lord Jesus, your glorious name, amen.